This time on Poll Hub, our news survey with NPR and the PBS NewsHour dives deep into how Americans are thinking about race relations. There's a lot here to discuss, and we will do so. Then catching up on COVID, restrictions are easing, but what do Americans think about rules that may now be put in place based on whether you're vaccinated or not? And then we go way back, 1965, way back for some of us, for Lee's fun fact. Stick with us. This is going to be a good one. And hi, everybody. Welcome to Poll Hub. I'm J.D. Dapper, Director of Innovation here at the Marist Poll. And I'm Barbara Carvalho, Director of the Marist Poll. And I'm Lee Marengoff, Director of the Marist College Institute for Public Opinion. Uh, we've mentioned on this podcast before that we have um, interns we work with and, and students we work with that, that help us put this podcast together and also um, uh, get some of our poll information out, especially around the social media. And working with some of the interns this week on this poll uh, about race relations, a word came up and I couldn't say, no, we shouldn't use that because it's fair. They described this poll as bleak in terms of the way that it, uh, Americans are responding to where we are with race relations. Um, and and I, I think, sadly, I think that's fair. Is that is that an unfair characterization, do you think? No, I, I think that's I think that's actually right on. 42% of Americans say race relations in the U.S. are actually worse than they were uh, a year ago. Uh, 39% believe race relations are about the same. But interestingly, we, we do a follow-up question to those people who say um, is, you know, remain the same. We ask them, do you think that's a good thing that it stayed the same or not? And, uh, you know, many people say, no, it's not. It's actually a bad thing that things have uh, remained the same. And 17% say that relation, uh, race relations uh, have gotten better um, in the past year. Now, these, these numbers um, are, are pretty stark, are pretty bleak. Um, interestingly, though, um, one point that I think we do also need to, that needs to be made is that this is the lowest proportion of people who said that things are getting worse in the last six, six years since 2015. Um, and those who say that race relations are getting better that proportion is actually up 9% since 2017. So absolutely, um, things are not good. Things are bleak overall. Uh, but we did find, we did find a change um, in, in the numbers. Now, let me, let me try to go with the uh, glass being a little bit more on the half full, half full side Thank than you. on the, the half empty <laughs> side. Um, we had a, when we discussed, when we do these polls with NPR and PBS, we, uh, you know, usually uh, have uh, you know moderately detailed discussions about some of the findings, and on this one, uh, we got into exactly this discussion, and it was probably the longest discussion we'd had uh, with the with their uh, the folks down there, uh, because uh, you know there was a question as to it's just an optimism or a pessimistic poll, and 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 I think that there were things that make it bleak, and there are also some statistics which uh, Barb just referenced, which you know make it less pessimistic if we don't want to go all the way to optimistic. I found that, you know, there was some sense in the numbers uh, that Black Americans think that there's a chance for improvement uh, during the Biden years. Uh, and in the long run, uh, most people, regardless of their race, think the nation will kind of get a handle on this issue, uh, at least in future generations. And that may just be the optimistic spirit of Americans, and it may not have a lot to do with race relations per se, but that is what we asked them. 
Um, and I, so, so I thought that was interesting. Um, you know, I, I, I also found, and this is one point of contention we had uh, in discussing uh, this with uh, the NPR and PBS folks. Um, I thought that the agreement over the murder conviction of Derek Jovan was interesting in that a lot of whites also thought he was guilty and agreed with the conviction. Uh, and I'm not sure that's, you know, uh, I'm not sure that's a change. I don't know if we can talk about that in any optimistic terms because it was a horrendous situation. But the reaction I thought to Americans, from Americans I thought was a little bit different than we've seen in other cases, going back to, you know, Rodney King, and where, which was a real race divider, uh, O.J. Simpson, a huge case in terms of uh, the attention it got. Um, so I thought that was interesting that there was yeah, let, a little bit more. Let me pick up yeah, on that, okay. Lee, because I, 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 look, I'll be half full on this one for sure. 77% of, of adults that we talked to said it was the right decision that, that in that case. Um, you can look at it in a partisan way as well as a racial way. Partisan, 95% of Democrats thought, but 52% of Republicans thought it was the right decision versus 33% who didn't. That, I mean, that stands out to me because everything, you know, goes through this partisan lens. And again, as you point out, 74, 74% of whites and 89% of blacks, 79% of Latinos thought that this was the right decision. Again, I, I love pointing out where we actually have some agreement <laughs> because so many of our polls are about how we have these stark disagreements based on a variety of different factors. And here in this case, and again, a horrible case, and, and it's it's sad that we're agreeing that, that a guy should have been convicted, you know, that there's a murder conviction, you know, it's sad that that's what this is about. But I do think that that is a hopeful sign that we have an agreement on a case that is such a such a lightning rod that sparked the protests last summer in many cases. Uh, and I, I think that is hopeful. Yeah, and people are saying, uh, and pardon, sorry, I jumped there, but people are saying that, you know, well, it's because we had all that, you know, visual, you know, confirmation of what went on. Well, we had a lot about what went on in the Capitol in January 6th and, you know, People are telling me not to believe my own eyes right now. So, all right, Barb, jump back in. Well, I mean, I, yes, I do see the uh, the partisan divide, but there's clearly a, a, a racial divide that we see here as well, um, in not only in perceptions but also in in real experience. And so, um, you know, we we didn't really just you know talk about um, you know how uh, people. Uh, feel, you know, about race relations. And um, we, we also tapped into, you know, some of the issues with um, police and police reform. But I think what's very stark here is the fact that, um, you know, you have, you know, you have a very clear and different experience, um, you know, depending upon, you know, whether you're white or a person of color um, in this country. And, the fact that there is this undercurrent of uh, denial of, of this experience and of this difference, um, I think just adds to a lot of the, um, you know, the differences and divides that we, that, we, that we see going on in a variety of different um, you know, policy areas. Uh, we asked about you know, trust here in, in police. Um, and although there is a good amount of, you know, trust across the board, 
um, because we do have a consensus to the degree that 77% uh, believe that the police protect them from crime, 72% believe uh, that the local um, police uh, do have the trust of uh, residents in the, in the community, and 78% of Americans uh, have a great deal or fair amount of confidence in their local police. But once you, once you step down just one notch in terms of, in terms of race and ethnicity, um, these, these perceptions, these are perceptions are very, uh, very, very different. And there's a, there's a, there's a lot more caution there's, um, I won't go as far as to say as there's distrust because the way that we phrased the question, um, we phrased it, we phrased it in the positive and people responded that way. Um, but there's, there's a lot of work to be done there. Um, so um, yes, it's a, it's a partisan divide, but um, our partisanship um, also tends to coincide, you know, with the color of our skin. So um, I think I that I think that's yeah. I think that's most starkly shown in the question. Thinking about the community where you live and work, do you think local police treat people of color more harshly, less harshly, or just as they do people who are white? And that is, it's a night and day distinction. Uh, whites in the poll, twenty-five percent said more harshly, uh, but sixty percent said they treat people of color just as they treat people who are white. Blacks, 61% said more harshly, 25%. It's a perfect mirror image. 25% say just as people who are white. That's, that really stood out to me as a case where, okay, people uh, of all races and various people feel, yep, the, the police in my community are on my side and these things in, in some majority in every case. And, but then when you say, but do they treat people of color differently? It's just night and day. And the, experience, and the experience here is different too. And uh, we asked a question about whether, uh, whether Americans feel that they have personally experienced uh, discrimination or inequality because of their race or ethnicity. And 69% of Americans said they rarely or have never personally had that kind of experience. But then when we, when we, look, when we look across culture, um, it's, it's very, very different. 84% of whites say they have rarely or never experienced uh, discrimination or inequality because, um, because of their race or ethnicity. 61% uh, of Black Americans um, have, have experienced this. 25% saying uh, often uh, and 36% um, saying uh, sometimes. So, uh, you know, we, we, we talk a lot about, and I think, I think social media also fosters this kind of discussion where everybody is talking about, well, the way I see things, the way, you know, the way I experience something. And I think we need to kind of pull that, pull that lens back um, so that we are also listening and not just speaking about what we uh, see in, in our own lives. Yeah, I think there's one um, other dimension here, which I think the the poll got into, and it's 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 the issue that I, I guess I care uh, very strongly about because it affects the democracy and it affects all our safety. And that was the issue of whether Americans agree with President Biden talking about white supremacy as the country's most lethal terrorist threat to the homeland today. And you know, this issue doesn't go away clearly with a verdict or a conviction or a declaration of somebody's innocence. We're gonna have 
lots of more stuff. And, and I alluded earlier to, you know, the Capitol uh, insurrection uh, on January 6th. And, you know, I don't know what the summer is going to bring. Uh, I hope it doesn't get us back into, you You know, talked earlier about the, a long time back in the 60s. Well, you know, we had a lot of kind of like outbreaks of violence. There's still a lot simmering here. Uh, and there's a lot of, you know, white supremacists who, uh, you know, are not going to be comfortable uh, with some of the direction the Biden administration is going to try to move the country. And, and on that, you talked about mirror image, Jay, you know, 84% of Democrats agree that, you know, the, that is white supremacy here is our terrorist threat. Um, and 88% of Republicans disagree. So there's your mirror image again. Um, but, you know, I can't help but be concerned about this, you know, what is going on under, what is simmering here under the surface, um, which is just ready to, you know, come out again with a Black Lives Matter for and against and, and some outbreaks of domestic terrorism. I mean, I don't think we've addressed this at all. And there's certainly a lot of guns around. Uh, and then, you know, I think it's a fearful issue. I guess we're back to the glass, glass half full again then, or half empty, sorry, whatever, yeah. Yeah, you emptied the glass. Thanks. Uh, yeah, I just I just emptied the glass. I emptied the glass there. You sure you sure did, and and certainly the um, you know um, we have also seen um, you know uh, other other uh, people of color uh, targeted because of their ethnicity. Yeah. Um, I think one of the things, if you do want to harken back to that leak that the students uh, that the students described it um, in the beginning, as you pointed out, Jay. Um, we do see that people have more confidence, or more people, I should say, have confidence in President Biden than they did um, this time in, in, in President Trump. 35% uh, uh, expect uh, race relations to get better uh, uh, under President Biden, whereas a majority of people thought race relations were going to get worse under Trump. But again, when you look at the remain the same and that not being a good thing, that actually minimizes those differences. So, Barbara, we also asked about COVID, right, and the vaccinations. Um, and what what are we seeing here? It seems to be aligning with what we're seeing nationally in terms of restrictions being listed to the CDC, all that. What did we find? Well, 59% of Americans report that they have already received a coronavirus vaccine. Now, remember, this I say Americans, but I'm talking about uh, adults. We interview people 18 plus. We didn't ask about younger people um, in households, and certainly there are restrictions as to to who can get vaccinated. So the 59% does uh, you know, correlate pretty closely with what the numbers that we're seeing uh, nationally um, that are being reported of those people who have um, gotten at least one shot of the vaccine. And I say at least one shot because you know, we've, heard, we've heard also in the news uh, many times um, that there is a group of people who have gotten one shot. Many are still expecting to get their second shot, but we have 8% of, of Americans. So 8%, um, which is included in that 59%, um, who have only gotten one shot, some of whom do expect to get the second shot, others that, that don't. But I thought what was really um, interesting this time is in April, uh, we asked a similar question 
57% of American adults in, in, in the United States uh, had gotten at least one shot of the vaccine. So which means that over the past month where we have been seeing these enormous jumps from month to month of people getting vaccinated, from April to May, we've seen a much, much smaller proportion of people um, now getting vaccines. In a sense, we, we have more supply than demand um, for the, for the vaccines themselves, and I think I think that that really gets at the issue of the CDC changing requirements because they want to be able to encourage people uh, to get the vaccine. Since we've seen that things have really slowed, the proportion of people getting only one shot has increased, and the proportion of people being fully vaccinated, you know, really hasn't grown um, as it did initially. Yeah, I, I think there's a lot in this. Uh, obviously, this is an issue that cut across the entire nation and the entire uh, world. Um, and I thought it was, you know, uplifting to see that 84% of, of people we surveyed around the country think it's a good idea that we help out other countries uh, who are, you know, hot right now, obviously. In, in yeah, that the, was yeah. big. That really surprised me. Yeah, so, me. The, you know, our isolationist uh, bent certainly doesn't apply when it comes to that. Uh, aspect that includes almost three quarters yeah, of Republicans yeah. too. So, ship ship extra vaccines overseas. I was yeah. I thought that and I thought that was a nice a nice uh, you know a nice topic. Uh, and part of it has to do with the, what Barb was talking about. Also, you know, things are better here uh, than they've been. Um, I I can't help but worry about a little bit whether we're relaxing things a little too much, too fast. Is, are, are we going? You know, is, is this a little too soon to uh, to be uh, totally uh, coming undone? Uh, with a lot of these restrictions, and we saw lots of people, um, you know, and, and Barb, I wanted to give you the benefit of this because you love when something is 100% or 0% in a poll. And and we had, what do we have in here? Uh, De Democrats report wearing a mask either in most places or even if it is not required. And you got a big 100% on that. When else do you get one? I can't remember another no, 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 no. Statistically, you, you don't get a hundred and zero because there's a, it's an estimate. So you gotta you gotta get a few you know a, a few uh, people one way or the other. But no, you can really see the partisan divide when it comes to mask wearing. I mean, I I think this this whole this whole public health issue has been politicized from you know whether the 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 virus was real to whether you get a um, a vaccine. So whether now, you know, do we have proof that you could, you've had the vaccine? Um, and then the, of course, the issue of, of, mask, of mask wearing. Um, and as I mentioned, I think the, the motivation for the CDC to remove some of the limitations of mask wearings is first, you know, first that there are certainly, if there are people who are vaccinated, um, the, the risk uh, is considerably uh, less but also to have some kind of incentive for people to be able to uh, continue to get vaccine because that has really waned. Yeah, um, I do. I do think the story going forward here for the next month or two, though, is this notion of of certain states or certain companies or industries requiring proof of vaccination for some things, and and that not happening in other places. And who do you know walking down the street? Well, I don't have to wear a mask anymore. Well. Not if you're vaccinated, but how do you know they're vaccinated? I, I, this is bubbling right now, and I have a feeling we're going to be asking questions about this no, no uh, on future polls. And the other, and we'll move on to my fun fact very soon, but uh, the other point on this is that the, you know, we're hearing a lot about the vaccine. How long is it going to last? 
And just as a word of caution, so we, nothing gets mischaracterized when you hear that in the you know, last six months, it's only because they know right now that it lasts six months. The six month figure may be a goalpost that's moving. And in a year, we may be saying it's still okay. Um, so the notion that it's only six months is not accurate. It is six at months. Least, it's plus. at least it's at least yes. six months because that's the that's the time that it has been measured uh, since vaccines have uh, been uh, uh, broadly publicly um, available. But Lee, on a lighter note, you have, I have no segue you have another. Here. I have no segue. <laughs> Jumping into the wayback machine. <laughs> so anyway, we, we, you know, the archives dug up for us a uh, uh, another Gallup poll from January of 1965. I think at that point, this has to do with televisions in your home. I think I still had the rabbit ears at that point, an antenna on the roof and the aluminum foil on the. Uh, did on you the did you, did you hold the rabbit ears and then you know touch the touch only, the, touch your hand to a window so you get a better signal? Only only when it was required to get more accuracy, more precision. For so anyway, giant the question things. Gallup asked. Yeah, yeah, the ones we could that weren't blacked out. The uh, so the question is. How many television sets do you have in your home? Uh, if And this is 1965. And I thought this was very interesting. Uh, I mean, obviously, TV had become much more universal. 73% said they had at least had one. 20% said they had two. And 4% said they had three TVs in their home. Only 3% said no televisions in their home. Now, let's. we're going to take our own little survey here. Barb, how many you well, got? Well, no, I, that's not fair. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, we're allowed to ask questions. Uh, are you uh, um, well? If you had a guess, what does it mean to you? <laughs> well, you know what I did. I did. I was a little sneaky because I I did do some some follow up research um, to find out oh. what uh, what things look like right now. And actually, television um, television uh, in households peaked. Uh, twice, once in 1997 and once in 2001, when only 1.2% of households did not have a television. Mm. Um, another high point, which I found, which I thought was really interesting, you said, thing, Lee, 4% in 1965 said they had uh, three or more three. televisions. Yep. Um, in, in 2009, the peak of television ownership in households was 44% had three or more televisions oh, uh, now, in their house. So I know where you're going. I know where you're going on this. You're just your average but American. No, but the you? thing is, it's actually, <laughs> we're actually now on the downward side yeah. of, of this curve uh, because, you know, people... Uh, people have other ways of, of tuning in. And although 96%, about 96% of Americans right now are, according to Nielsen, are plugged in some way to get, uh, to get uh, access to television, that's actually uh, on, a, on a decline. Jay, how many you got? Uh, one. In, yeah, but I have a, well... And how many monitors? Oh uh, uh, yeah, we have lots of screens. I don't watch TV. We watch TV on the TV very, very rarely. Uh, but yeah, I mean, yeah. you know, screen. It's a better question now going forward is how many screens do you watch video on? And that's going to be in a household yeah. a dozen probably. Barb's uh, got a delivery a while back, and the TV was so large the delivery man referred it to it as 
Wisconsin. We call that screen Wisconsin from now. I don't know how many. It's a couple miles. It's only for it's only yeah. For football. The, someone punts and I and I and I, I declare a fair catch because the thing is so real. Although hockey's fun too because the puck comes right out. <laughs> anyway, well, you can see the puck. That's actually the distinction. You can actually see the puck on that monitor. Well, that's true too. <laughs> That, that's right. So, and that's where we leave it for this week. That's a wrap on this week's edition of Poll Hub. Poll Hub is a production of the Maris Poll at Maris College in Poughkeepsie, New York. I'm Mary Griffith and Poll Hub's executive producer. Rounding out our team behind the scenes, Casey Schaff, our production supervisor, Amelia Morell, our production assistant, and Marcello Bettman, our trusted editor. Of course, many thanks to the Roper Center Archive at Cornell University. They provide us with the ability to look back at survey questions and results over the decades. And if you have questions or comments, hit us up on social media. We're at Maris Poll on Twitter and Maris Poll on Facebook and Instagram. Check out our online learning academy. The Maris Poll Academy can be found at marispoll.com. That's where we give you the 101 on polls, methodology, and so much more. Oh, yeah, and it's free. Finally, if you like what you hear on Poll Hub, please consider leaving a review on your podcasting app of choice. Positive reviews help others find us. And while you're at it, go ahead and subscribe. Thanks so much for joining us. We'll see you next week.